You're listening to The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and, and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. It's finally here, the 41st week of The Bonfire Podcast. Yeah, that has nothing to do with anything. I just felt like saying, saying that. So, 41 straight weeks. That the bonfire has been here for you, for you, and for me, because I enjoy this. And of course, if I wasn't doing it for me, it wouldn't be done at all, and then you wouldn't be here either. So, regardless, thank you for tuning in. Jumping straight into it, how man caves took over America's basements. Something on a website called Atlas Obscura. The male ego found a room of his own. By Kate Wagner. Okay. First off, written by a woman. Let's just keep that in mind. Now, from uh, Kate here. We've all heard this phrase before, man cave. Whether it's in a hardware store commercial, a chagrin sigh from mom, or as a sitcom punchline. The man cave is, without a doubt, a part of our current homeowner vernacular. But what defines this space, and how did it get there? Of course, the history of the masculine-feminine dichotomy in the interiors and architecture is a well-exhausted field. But few have covered the fact that the 30-plus year increase in home size has created opportunities for new gendered spaces. And that these spaces are more than mere frivolity. They are an, in- no, they are an interesting piece of changing social landscape. So what are man caves? Kate here in the article, which I will also share under the Bonfire Facebook page basically says this is a line of demarcation. It's meant for, you know, boys only. Because in today's world, the home is now the woman's domain. You know, not because she's vacuuming and cleaning and maintaining the house by any means, but she just has control over much of the house. Because, you know, there are stay-at-home dads now, and the old school, you know, 1950s America, dad would go to work. and Every woman practically was at home as the homemaker. And it was her domain to a degree as well. But that's where the man had his study. And he also had what, you know, the article says are gentlemen's clubs. And that's not what today are, you know, the stupid strip clubs that you see. And they try to call themselves gentlemen's clubs. No, but actual legitimate golf, you know, country clubs, tennis drinking, going to the bars, 
a barber shop, all that, you know, typical places that a man would go. Well, now when, you know, the past several decades as our whole culture has kind of changed and women are more in the workplace and then men have no problem staying home, being stay-at-home dads, you know, to each his own. But the fact is, the man cave is a relatively new phrase and idea within the home because there's always been, you know, a library or a study, a den in the house. And, you know, you can go back to, like, Leave it to Beaver, Andy Griffith, and this is just in, t- in TV, you know. Um, what else is there? Cheers, it would be at the bar. All the guys would be hanging out. There'd be some women there, but you'd see a lot of guys all palling around together watching the football games and the baseball and having a beer and just being guys and the darts and the pool. Um, and then the Brady Bunch where the dad, you know, they had their living room. They had the dining room. And they had the family room, and they also had the den. And that's just what they called their dad's office. You know, it was kind of off in the corner. Man, it was not so dark, like a darker part of the house. But you could tell it was definitely Mr. Brady's office, his room where he would work and get his stuff done. It was for dad only, really. Certainly wasn't the playroom for all the kids. But they called it the den, and I always thought that was interesting that, you know, back in the 60s, they called it a den. Well, that's what a man cave is. It's a den for a guy. Now, I have a problem with these sort of themed man caves that we're all probably familiar with. When you hear the phrase, you're thinking of things like, well, that's where one guy, it's just filled with video games and all sorts of, you know, video game paraphernalia and posters and movies, and he's just one of those kinds of uh, video game Hollywood nerds. He's like a movie expert. He knows everything, all the directors and all the... He's just all over that. Or it's another one where it's a garage. That's a pretty good one. And he's sort of a, uh, you know, a metalhead who's in there working on his engines, building a bike, has all of his tools in there. It's kind of dark. Maybe a little cold in the winter, a little hot in the summer. It's not very, you know, very much a part of the house. The article tries to say that the garage, we don't include that in a man cave because it's not an interior room. So, yeah, I mean, basements, converting basements into the guy's kind of hangout room where he can go down there and he maybe installs a little bar, has his buddies over so they can all sit down there and watch the football game, play pool and um, throw darts, eat, (laughs) and just, you know, spend time with one another. I've always envisioned, though, having more of a study in my future house where I have bookshelves and a fireplace and a big lazy boy and a desk to to, to do work. And when I say work, I mean enjoyable work. Of course I'm going to have a garage and a shed and all sorts of things like that because that's where my tools will have to go. And I do like to work with my hands. I like to build things. I'm not very good at it. I certainly need a mentor, but I'd like to be able to, you know, build my own project car one day. I think that'd be fun, you know, and I would do that in the garage. I have no problem at a future date saying, honey, this is the garage. This is kind of my area. And it's not because this article here, let me go down to the very bottom. Quote, unquote, asserting your dominance. Man caves of the future will be less assertively gendered, and their rhetoric will be less filled with terms of dominance. Okay, so, my gut tells me this article is a little bit overboard. 
saying that man caves are for the for the men who have fragile egos, who are worried that their set of dominance and values that they believe in, that women should be subservient, is is under attack. So we must retreat to our man cave to assert our dominance and our, our power struggles because we're men, that's what we do. We're we're aggressive and stupid like that. Okay. Um first of all, there are some guys like that, yes. Just like there are some women like that, which is a huge turnoff, by the way. I have no problem saying that. God, people are so anal these days. Seriously? Because I want a room to retreat to at the end of the day. You look at that and think, oh, he's pissy because he is a an aggressive male full of testosterone who just wants things his way. And if he doesn't get it, he's going to bitch and moan and then just go retreat to his room where he feels he has some sense of power and dominance over the things in his life because that's what men do they just destroy and okay that was definitely the vibe i got from this article and of course there are people out there uh, women who absolutely believe that stuff okay well that's painting us all the exact same way i'm not i want the room so i can go sit quietly and read and sit by the fire and just stare at it okay when i go camping that's what i do i stare at the fire i poke it okay (laughs) I get a stick and I poke the fire. Why? Because I'm playing with fire. That's fun. That is a guy thing to do. Just try and find a woman out there who will go and sit at the fireplace at the, uh, you know, the camp out. And just kind of stare into it. Pick up a stick. Poke it. Play with the fire a little bit and sit there quietly. I'll bet you that really doesn't happen. That is a guy thing to do. To sort of sit and ponder and think and let his mind wander. That's what we do. Okay? Chances are we're trying to resolve some problems. We like to sit there and think about our problems. We have a harder time talking about our problems. And that is one of the great dichotomies between men and women. Women want to talk about it. Men don't. And that's funny. <laughs> I love that. I think it's. I think that's just a, uh, it's a great way that we were made. Man and woman. The differences. So regardless of all that opinion, man caves do have a negative connotation but i understand the concept kind of having a place that he can call his own to say look this is my little area okay and then i would the wife can do it too you'd say great do you want a little area of the house for yourself where i don't go in and the kids don't go in then let's do that i'm all for that i don't i don't care i think that'd be great it is good to have time apart from loved ones and everybody for that matter you just say hey give me five minutes i just need to be by myself for a little bit some people need that and if you're someone who doesn't want that, well, then guess what? You don't get your own room. You get the whole rest of the house. How about that? I'm okay with that. About communicating. I'm just working together at it. So as a man cave, the one that I want, uh, if I had a basement, I'd probably put it down there. I think it'd be nice and quiet. It be, could be pretty cold and could be flooded, but you deal with that problem. If it's a man cave and it's in the middle of the house, you're going to be completely surrounded. you got people above you, people around you, and it's probably not going to be very quiet, not very secluded. Well, that's what the cave part of it is. You're supposed to be kind of segregated from the world to be able to shut the door and shut out the world for just a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'll share this article. Y'all decide what you think uh, Kate here was getting at. I think she's a little bit too overzealous, painting us all the same way. Quote-unquote, in an increasingly egalitarian world, will the man cave see a familiar fate to its predecessors? And she's referring to, uh, you know, like those gentlemen's clubs, country clubs, 
bars, barbershops, places that the traditional man back in the day would hang out and spend time. But now that women are start in are starting to join the workplace, they're finding, oh my gosh, there's women around us. What do we do? We need to retreat and get away from the, from women. What are they doing here? So, quote-unquote, while women-only spaces in the house are on the rise, with labels such as the she-shed or woman cave, the concept hasn't taken off in the same respect as the man cave, for the reason that much of the home is still demarcated as a feminine space in the popular eye. The woman's need to escape the world of men is a relatively new phenomenon, after all. The man cave came first because men were losing their hold of the world and sought to retreat to a place in the home where they could still possess feelings of power. Um... Not really. Kate, that's your real name. We want that area so we can get away from you and other people like you who after we work all day, you make stupid comments like that. Saying, oh, you want to retreat to your room so that you can maintain your feelings of power? No, screw you. I want to get away from you. Quit talking to me. I want five minutes of peace and quiet. Holy crap. I'm going to sit here and play my video game for 20 minutes. Then I'm going to take out a book. Then I'm going to watch some of the football game. Then I'm going to get some work done on my computer. And then I'm going to come out of the room and then I'm ready to join the rest of the world, okay? But excuse me! I think Kate has it wrong. But you tell me. This is the Bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network On Demand. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. A new movie coming out in March 2017. I think looks particularly unique and interesting. Yes, it is a superhero movie, but not like the ones we've all seen lately. So let's go ahead and play the trailer, and then we'll talk about it. Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. I hurt myself today. To see if I still feel I focus on the pain The only thing that's real Where is she? Beneath the She's like you of time, Very much like you The feelings disappear She needs our help You are Someone to come along 
If someone has come along, I am still right here. And you could have it all. My empire of dirt. I will let you down. I will make you hurt. I will keep myself. I would find. March 2017. The movie is called Logan. And in case of y'all, I don't know what that's referring to. It's referring to Logan, the Wolverine from the X-Men series. Now, yes, it is a superhero movie. But I'm not talking Avengers or Superman versus Batman. Okay, not action-focused. Some of the plots... Scripts, you know, stories are kind of weak in some of these movies, as we all know. Um, I did enjoy Captain America's Civil War. I actually thought that was pretty well written, and it had a lot of action. So that's a pretty good, solid combination there. Now this one, Logan, it says, Mutant births are severely in decline, and people aren't sure why. There's a government-type operation that's turning mutant children into killing machines. And from this, Logan emerges as a mentor to a mutant girl who has claws just like him. Now look, I don't read the comic books. I don't know any of this stuff. I've said that before. I go to the movies to enjoy the film itself and maybe how it can be connected to the other ones. And that's about it. I don't really have an interest to go read these comic books and get any sort of back history. I kind of just watch the movies at their own face value. This one is different because it shows Wolverine, who usually has the power to, you know, heal himself and has been alive since maybe the mid-1800s, and now it's in the year 2000, and in this movie, 2024, he's still around. So his body repairs itself very well. He can live longer than most human beings. In the trailer, though, you see he's clearly very old, and his, he's got scars all over his body. Wolverine doesn't scar. He heals, and then he's, that's it. So that was interesting. You think, uh-oh, what's going on with him? He's clearly aging, and he's not healing. So maybe he's dying, just of old age. And you can tell from the trailer, obviously you just heard it, but it's a lot better if you watch it, that there seems to be more of a somber feel to this. Of course there'll be action, you know, it's it's an X-Men movie. But perhaps it's being directed and written in such a way to focus more on the emotions, more mental issues, maybe a deeper pl- plot, possibly. You can only speculate since it's months out, but that's what caught my attention. Lots of trailers, Avengers, Spider-Man movies, Batman movies, Wonder Woman movies are all packed with action and eh, some some vague plots. And as the months go by, you learn more about it, and it's always good versus evil. Batman versus Superman. Who will win? Okay. 
Well, here, we don't really know. It's a little bit different. Like, wait a minute, everybody's dead or dying. Maybe it's a movie focused more on legacy and what Wolverine has been doing this whole time. It's a little more, maybe heartfelt. That was just the, the first instinct I got from the trailer. So we'll see as the months go by what more they'll give us. More of a detailed plot. What's the point? I'm optimistic, though, because I have been calling for more originality in Hollywood. Uh, as far as I know, there is going to be a Starship Troopers reboot. Holy hell. Can we stop with the reboots? I swear, Hollywood, they're either really stupid and they are just out of ideas, which I think is no excuse, or they just think, hmm, reboots are safer and probably going to make us more money than if we were to try to come up with something original. So let's just do that. Because all these sequels, all these prequels, and all these reboots, too many. Way too many. Holy crap. I swear it feels like there is no more originality coming out of, I mean, old school Hollywood. When it comes to Netflix, Hulu, Amazon, you got some good original documentaries and movies and TV shows there. So, for example, Stranger Things in Netflix. Um, the Man in the High Castle, Amazon. There's still good content out there, but it, it's just not coming from traditional Hollywood. Not in my opinion. But little movies like this kind of, you know, a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope that maybe we can still get some good stuff from Hollywood rather than stupid, trashy, or lame and lazy. Who knows? It's nebulous. This is The Bonfire on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. The Bonfire. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. A highly recommended Bonfire book recommendation right here. It's called Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McCown. I'm going to go ahead and read just a quick paragraph here from this uh, particular chapter, and I'll kind of give you some of the chapters, maybe a few other tidbits that I highlighted in, in my copy here that I thought was worth highlighting, you know, to remember and be able to flip through easily and remember, oh, yeah, there's that nice bit of wisdom. Here's the first one. What if we stopped celebrating being busy as a measurement of importance? What if instead we celebrated how much time we had spent listening, pondering, meditating, and enjoying time with the most important people in our lives. Let's see what else. As economist Thomas Sowell wrote, there are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. Hear that? Pages? Yes, I have a book in front of me. Don't ask, how will I feel if I miss out on this opportunity? But rather... If I did not have this opportunity, how much would I be willing to sacrifice in order to obtain it? And let's find one more. Oh, there's one. Let me see. There it is. 
Personalizing patterns of action helps to free the mind from the expectations that make demands on our attention, and it allows us intense concentration on matters that count. All right. Basically, being an essentialist. Here are some of the chapters. Choose the invincible power of choice. Discern the unimportance of practically everything. Trade off which problem do I want. Escape the perks of being unavailable. Look, see what really matters. Play. Embrace the wisdom of your inner child. Select the power of extreme criteria. Uncommit. Win big by cutting your losses. Dare. The power of a graceful no. Subtract. Bring forth more by removing obstacles. And progress. The power of small wins. All right, this entire book here by Greg McCown, I think it's about 200 pages. Eh, 2.30. I thoroughly enjoyed it. That has the bonfire slap of approval right there. Um, He's all about saying, look, life is busy for everyone, especially in today's world. You have the people, the non-essentialists, who say, I can do everything. I can do it all. I can manage. I can fit it all in. Then you have the essentialists who say, I know I can't. So which things do I want to focus on? Which people? do I want to focus on? There's only so much time in the day. Period. Everybody has the same amount of time. Different people, yes, require different amounts of sleep in order to function well, but we all still only have 24 hours in a day. You can choose to waste hours responding to pointless emails and feeling productive, or you can choose to say, you know what, I'm going to respond to emails from 10 to uh, 10 to 11 a.m., you know, get the answers that need to be sent out. And then the rest of my time, I'm going to be productive and find different projects, other people to help and make, you know, real productive quality creations, whatever that may be, whatever it is that your job is. He challenges your, your the general idea that doing more is good in terms of your career. If people ask you to help with a project, you say, yep, I'll help. And then someone else comes by, hey, can you help us over here? Yeah, I'll, I'll be right over there. And then someone else, yep, I'll join you tomorrow. You're going to burn yourself out. It's going to be too much. You're going to try to convince yourself that you can handle it. But guess what? You try to do that, your social life is going to suffer. Or your family is going to suffer because they're never going to see you. You're going to be at work all the time. And your boss is going to be your life, not your family. Greg McCown here uh, says throughout the book, his family is his most important thing. He knows, hey, if I'm working too hard, I do make time at least once a week, say on a Saturday, to turn off all my technology, especially my phone, and then spend it completely unobstructed with my family. So he prioritizes. That's one of the key words and ideas in the book is priorities. Really only priority, singular. What is the most important thing in your life? And if that's not at the top, then you're doing something wrong. Or that's really not your priority. So he's all about, look, small wins, making progress. you got to start somewhere. Don't try to change the world and think you can do it in a day. It's not how it works. Give yourself attainable goals. Build it over time. Be patient. Get your priorities straight. Who do you want to see? What do you want to do? Who are you? Sit and think and ponder. Listen more. Don't be talking so much trying to talk over others and control them. There's enough in your world to deal with between your bills, your job, your family and friends and your aspirations. 
So he, this whole book just says, change your mental attitude and your entire persona, persona to be an essentialist. Where even if you have a buddy come to you and say, "Hey, man, Friday night, let's go to the let's go to the football game." If your family is your priority, and then second on your list of to-do things or that are the most important to you, it's uh, say writing a book or working on your woodworking skills, trying to be the best person that you can be. You say, you know what? I can't. I appreciate the invite, but I only have so much time. I'm a mortal person. <laughs> I'm going to die one day, and there's only so many hours in the day. I would rather spend it with my wife and kids and do a little bit of woodwork. So there are trade-offs. There are sacrifices. And that's one of the reasons why successful people are very successful. You know, the millionaires and billionaires. They're the ones who understand, look, there are sacrifices. Of course there are. I can choose to spend time with my buddies, or I can choose to go learn another language and sit at home and read. Read these interesting articles and books and try to expand my knowledge and open my mind and think creatively and be the best person that I can be. I can choose to go to the gym and work out and be physically healthy and try to eat well, or I can go hang at the bar, have a good time, get a beer, maybe get laid. (laughs) I mean, come on. Unfortunately, that is a lot of today's world. They're They're too focused on shallow things, too focused on the here and now. No deeper thoughts and plans for long term advantages. So I look at myself and I think, well, who do I want to be? I'm nowhere near who I want to be. So I know all the work that I have to do. So when people say, hey, Andrew, can you help us out? I have to make a quick decision in my mind. Okay, where do you land on my priority list? Let me see if I can help you. And that's my personal choice because everybody has that choice. You know, no one, no one's really entitled to my time. I get to choose what I want to do with it. But what matters is sticking with it, too. If you say, well, my family's my priority, but then your boss is easily able to pull you back into work. Well, then clearly not. So figure it out. Like Bonfire said, for all of 2016, the year of self-discovery, find out more about yourself. What do you want? Who do you want to be? What is important to you. If your job is important to you, well then great. Throw everything you can into that and then afterwards you can spend some time with uh, friends and working out. But then the majority of your time you'll be at work looking for ways to contribute but not over-contribute because if you do that, you're going to be involved in so many projects you're going to half-ass all of them instead of doing any one thing. Excellent. Something else that Greg here says. If you focus on less, you can do more with that and it's done to an even higher degree. So I took his book to heart, and I thought, okay, I I like this. I can get behind this one day, slowly make progress in this essentialist thought. And It doesn't happen overnight, and he says that. Look, I still struggle with it, but it's a choice that I make every day. And he chooses his family. He chooses to better himself and try to learn and learn new skills, help others. That's what he prioritizes. Great. Good for you, Greg. (laughs) The rest of us in today's world, need to do the same. There you have it. Essentialism, The Disciplined Pursuit of Less by Greg McCowan. It's, got, it's a yellow, yellow, it's a white cover. And right there in red, it says essentialism. It's got a lot of squigglies around it. it says New York Times bestseller. Okay, it's pretty, uh, pretty obvious, pretty clear kind of binding. And I believe this was 2014. Uh, yes, it was. 
Yes, 2014. So, a couple years old, but still relatively new. Go check it out. The Bonfire, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Don't miss the Chris Salcedo Show. So you hear the word, the word, Hillary Clinton, and you instantaneously think corrupt, you think uh, a lifelong politician, uh, doesn't work for a living, never accomplished really anything. And those are all correct, and those are the correct responses to have when you hear the name Hillary Clinton. The Chris Salcedo Show, weekdays at noon Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. This is The Bonfire, on demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. Here's your host, Andrew Herzog. And finally, the final segment. Thank you for sticking with me this far. Sticking with me this far. The, I wouldn't call it a sequel, but let's just call it part two. Part two of a little flash fiction series that I am writing. And you can find it on medium.com. Just look for Andrew Herzog. Get the app. Highly recommended. This piece here is a continuance of the part one that I called Into the Wasteland. That was on last week's pod. This week's pod, this bit here is called The Frozen Elixir. So here we go. <laughs> Excuse me. A little frog in my throat. Dalton had lived in the country all of his life. Very few people, plenty of work to do, and nature as far as the eye could see. Just the way he liked it. He recently moved back in with his father after his mother passed away from Alzheimer's. It was rather sudden, though, his mother's death. The disease snuck up seemingly out of nowhere and grew exponentially malignant. The doctor said they'd never seen anything quite like it. Naturally, Dalton's father took this very hard, becoming a shell of the man he used to be. Dalton knew now more than ever he needed to be with his father through these difficult times and manage the ranch. He didn't mind all this hard work. In fact, he preferred it. Dalton was blessed with a disposition most of us only dream about. A truly well-balanced person, Dalton took pride in all of his work, put others first, and always made time for relaxation. Nothing seemed to negatively phase him, and he could always be counted on. Now, Dalton also had a healthy appetite for adventure and education. Growing up, he never had the urge to do stupid things typical teenagers would do. Instead, he'd be the one to start a book club or explore the series of caves in the area. He fancied himself Teddy Roosevelt or John Wayne reborn. Nothing was out of the question, and everything was a possibility in his eyes. One day, as he was catching up on the latest research in his favorite science publication, Dalton came across an article that piqued his interest. After reading it, a thought crossed his mind. What if he joined this expedition himself? What if he could be a part of something significant and historic, something exciting and dangerous? What if he could help prevent what happened to his mother from happening to anyone else ever again? As the hours ticked by, he couldn't help but focus on anything else. He was fixated. The more he thought about it, the more he convinced himself he should do it. No excuses. Now was the time for action. Dalton ran upstairs to pack his bag and prepare for his long trip. His father happened to walk through the den and see sitting on the chair an open page with large green font emblazoned across the top. The Frozen Elixir by Dr. Joseph Names. There you have it. The significance here. Dr. Joseph. Oh, wait a minute. Dr. Joseph. Oh. He's the first guy in that first piece called Into the Wasteland. (gasps) They're connected. 
Yes. I mean, I, I guess I gave that away at the beginning when I said this was a continuance. But yes, these two stories, these two flash fiction stories, are taking place in the same universe. Same general timeline. And that's part two. That's all I have for now. Um, more pieces <laughs> will be coming. This is fun. It's actually enjoyable after you know, a long, hard day of work to to sit and be creative, to just sit there and think, okay, what do I want this to be now? And, you know, I sit there, work for an hour or two, usually not very long, and see what I come up with. And so far, that's what I've come up with, those two pieces, Into the Wasteland and the Frozen Elixir on Andrew Herzog's Medium page. Please check it out. And I shared it on Bonfire's Facebook. Speaking of all that, do find Bonfire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. And don't forget the main website, bonfirethoughts.com, where I also wrote a couple other flash fiction stories called Home Alone and The Morning After. So please go check those out as well. And if it's not too much trouble, give me some feedback. I thrive on that stuff, whether it's positive or negative. I need to know that. I'm writing this stuff not only for my entertainment, but for yours as well. Anybody who likes some fiction, a little bit of inner apolitical entertainment. Okay, because let's be honest, if you are listening to the bonfire and you know anything about it, you know that politics has no place here. Okay, it's BS. Not here. You will not hear it here. You have my word on that. <laughs> it's tremendous, believe me. No, I'm going to stop that. Shut up, Trump. Andrew Herzog. Out. This is the bonfire on the Blaze Radio Network. <laughs> <laughs>